Hello, and welcome to Podcast University, your mobile classroom for leaders. I am your host and mentor, Willie Diggs. I am joined today by a phenomenal guest, Ms. Tanisha Hannes from Safe Place. So, now today, our topic, we're going to talk about domestic violence. Uh, we're going to go through some assessment style stuff. We're going to talk about kind of what she does, and she's going to leave us with some phenomenal tips on how to rid yourself of dysfunction. I'm going to start off like I always do with a quote, and it says, refuse to inherit dysfunction. Learn new ways of living instead of repeating what you live through. I'm going to play say that one more time. Mm. It says, refuse to inherit dysfunction. Learn new ways of living instead of repeating what you live through. And that is from Miss Thema Davis. So mm. let's right start. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> let's start this conversation off with Miss Tanisha. First, I want you to kind of give us an idea of who you are and kind of what you do at Safe Place. All right. Well, I am probably my day to day, just primary job is a therapist. So um, I meet with individual clients throughout the week. I also do groups. I do groups for batterers. I do groups for uh, survivors and I do groups for victims who do use violence. Got it. So on a day to day, like you said, you do all these groups. Uh, kind of give us an idea of what Safe Place does. All right. So uh, most people think of Safe Place as a shelter, so we can start there. Um, it is probably the part of our agency that houses the most staff and costs the most money, uh, yeah. right? Uh, we're getting ready to open our second shelter because we cover six counties, a lot of rural areas, and that's very hard for people to access services out in the rural areas. So we're getting ready to open a second shelter. We're kind of stoked about it. Got it. All right. So in our uh, previous discussion, you talked a little bit about pain. Yeah. So can you kind of give me some of that dialogue that you gave us in our classroom about pain? You said something about pain being inevitable with life. Yeah. Uh, especially in the field that you work, you see a lot of pain. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Just give me some tips or some notes on that. I would say that the majority of my clients have experienced a lifetime of pain. Got it. Unspeakable pains um, that you just don't even imagine that other human beings can do to other human beings. Wow, got it. A lot of times at the, at the hands of their caregivers. Wow. And so that makes things difficult going forward in life. If you can't trust your caregiver, how can you trust anybody else in the world? Right. So you see a lot of mistrust. Absolutely. Got it. So when you think about Erickson, uh-huh. right, and you have that from zero to what, three or so, mm-hmm. you're learning who can I trust, who can I not trust. Right. And so I have a lot of my clients and a lot of perpetrators who come out of this and they don't trust anybody. They never trusted anybody. Right. Right. Wow. But still trying to build intimate partner relationships. Got it. That is, that is a self-defeating task. It is not... Got it. Now, also, too, you, you, you talked a lot in the classroom also, too, about some different notes and what was appropriate and what was not appropriate. So I know you got a lot of notes. So just kind of let's start sharing. <laughs> g- g- give me some g- give give me some of, of, of what uh, you see when you're running your groups. Hmm. Um, I, I see a lot of. I, trauma and trauma trauma responses Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's a wide range of trauma responses and I think as social workers as students as Mm -hmm. people who are trying to go out into the world and become helpers yes um, I think it's important to learn what those different responses are so that you will be prepared and not blow and throw up your own Mm -hmm. shell oh absolutely see I can't help this person but coming from a place of I get it get it I can connect to you because I get that and and making normalizing it for them, right? Mm-hmm. 
I get that your response is a normal response to an abnormal situation. Wow. Say that one more time. Your response is a normal response to an abnormal situation. Y'all ought to write that down if you're <laughs> listening to our podcast university. Now, you, you talked about also, too, what some of you you're seeing in victims. And we're going to use the term victim just in this dialogue. But we understand that there's a lot of uh, other terms that people like to call themselves. They like to call themselves survivors mm-hmm. and all that. But just for the sake of this conversation, we're going to use the word victim sure. so that our listeners would know the difference between the perpetrator and the person who is being abused. So if, if a victim is backed up against the wall, I know we talked a little bit about that mm-hmm. in our previous conversation in the classroom, but kind of give me that because... That stirred up something in the classroom mm-hmm. about the responses uh, when it comes to uh, an individual that sees things. You talk about the police officer who came and the guy had cut on the stove. Tell us a little bit about that in context. Yeah, so I think as we are going throughout the world and offering services to people, we have to look at their context. Mm-hmm. And things happen. Nothing happens in a vacuum. And so when you think when somebody is having an overreaction to us, mm-hmm. it looks like an overreaction, we need to step back and take a, uh, a bigger assessment of what's going on big picture. So uh, I'll use a different story. I had a, I had a client who... Um, when there was a, there was an incident, it escalated. He had a job where he had to wear steel-toed boots. Mm-hmm. And as the, their incident escalated, he kicked her repeatedly with those steel-toed boots. So the next time something happened and he wanted her to shut up, he didn't have to say anything. All he had to do was go get the steel-toed boots and put them beside his chair. Wow. And that told, he didn't have to say a word. That told her everything she needed to know. So when you, so you never know what, when somebody comes into your office, comes into the shelter, comes into your classroom, what are, what they're responding to, what that trigger was. It could be a scent. It could be a sound. It could be a song. Right? Right. And right. so looking at, you thinking, what's wrong with them? They crazy. That's an overreaction. They need some help. Do they need some help? Probably. But just. Use it as the opportunity to dig a little bit deeper. Got it. So that's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Also, to tell us about the other example about the stove. Okay. I, 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 that story was something I'd never heard that before. So kind of give um, our audience a, a, a chance to kind of peek into the life of an individual who may have had that uh, experience. And you have to really understand context mm-hmm. when you're assessing them. Yes. So uh, there was an incident, it, things were escalating in, in the home, and he took her face and he planted it on the hot eye of the stove. Wow. And so a few months later, things were escalating again. Um, she was trying to assert herself, right? Because we thought a lot of times we want to teach communication and assertive skills. That's not it, right? right. <laughs> that did not help her. He just looked at her and he went and turned that eye of that stove on. Wow. And then and she had called, a seat. Wow. And so he did. So she panicked. She had a trauma response. She, um, some people might say an overreaction because they don't know what happened before. She called the police. Law enforcement came. They're like, ma'am, what's the problem? Why, he, all he did was turn the eye on. And of course, he, uh, the, the, in this case, the abuser was a male. He played into it. He was like, look at her. See how crazy she is? You see what I got to deal with? I bet you got one at home just like that. So then wow. the police become unwilling, unwitting participants in this collusion and not, they didn't dig deep enough to see what is the context. Why is this causing such a response from her? Wow. Wow. That's a a lot to take in. And uh, those of you who are tuning in on Podcast University, 
Remember, one of the things we're a mobile classroom for leaders. I want you to be able to uh, notice these things when you're working with clients, when you're working with your friends and your family, Mm -hmm. so that you can understand that we can't be so quick to point fingers. Mm -hmm. People have are going through a lot of things Mm -hmm. and you have to really get a better understanding of context, Mm -hmm. not just the overreaction. So please, please, please hear me. Make sure that you understand context. So. Now, uh, I'm going to ask her a question about the diversity Mm. of the clientele that you see when it comes to domestic violence. Mm. One of the the things that most people think that it only happens to women. Mm. But, you know, you've been doing this for a a long time. So now, you know, give us an idea of how often or excuse me, the who all this affects. It affects everybody. It does not matter what your socioeconomic background is. It does not matter what your sexual orientation, your gender, how fluid it is or not. It does not matter if you are a male, a female, if you um, are documented or undocumented. Now, there are some of these things that create more barriers for getting assistance. Mm -hmm. And there are some things that um, make people not want to reach out for help, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And give more leverage to an abuser. That make that makes it more difficult, but um, we serve a wide. Who if you are the victim wow. of intimate partner violence, then you qualify for our services. Wow! It does so. That's male. That's if you have if the if the charges against you, mm-hmm. if the charges against you. I had a guy once. He was charged with strang- uh, DV strangulation, felony DV strangulation, suffocation. I assessed him to be the victim in the greater scheme of the relationship. Wow. And he qualified for our services. Our shelter houses males. Mm-hmm. Um, some uh, some shelters may not, but ours in particular does. Um, um, same-sex relationships. It does not matter which gender you are. Mm-hmm. We have to assess and continue. We, our assessment is ongoing and continuous. And if you qualify for our services, you qualify for all of our service housing. Um, the individualized. You know, counseling, counseling, your children qualify for services. Wow. So you have the whole family. We do. And that's what it takes whenever you're dealing with that. So if there's an individual listening to this podcast, is there a number that they can call or a website that they can go to if they need to access services? Okay, so I'm going to give you the the most local number to call. It's a 24-hour helpline. Okay. Um, it is 256-716-1000. Okay, one more time. 256 mm-hmm. 716-1000. Got it. 24-hour helpline. They help with, um, this particular line helps with domestic violence, sexual assault, and suicide prevention. Got it. Now, if you're not in Alabama and you're listening to this podcast, my encouragement to you is to search your national hotline mm-hmm. or your local hotline. Yes. And the only thing you have to do is go in Google. Yes put in help with domestic violence and I can almost guarantee you that some number will will pop up so that you can actually use so and and when you do that to also make sure you do that safely most almost every domestic violence website will have a way for you to escape from that and kind of erase your trail so that if your uh, abuser is checking your web- websites you've been to they they it'll uh, cover it up Got it, got it, got it. And also, if you're going to call a number, you might make sure that you erase that from your call log. Don't erase your whole call log because that looks a little suspicious. So just maybe that number from your call log. Okay, so those are tips. Mm -hmm. Those are tips. So hear me. If you find yourself in a domestic uh, violence situation, get out of it. And we understand that that is the most dangerous time. Yes. 
All right. Talk a little bit about that. Give me some info on that. Yeah. So the when you're trying to leave is the most dangerous time. Um, and so I think that when we're encouraging people to leave or encouraging people to, to get help, we need to keep that in the forefront of our minds. Um, that person is the person best suited to make the decision about when to leave. We can give them information and tips, um, but they have to make that decision and they have to live with those choices, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they know that person better than any of us. That's right. That's they know right. their patterns. Mm-hmm. They know all of that stuff. They can sniff some stuff out. And um, I think a batterer is trying to take away this thing that you have in you that knows stuff. And we want, as advocates, we encourage people to tap into that. It hasn't been doused. If you're still here, it is still there. That's right? it. Y'all, like, y'all know I like it. Got it. All right. So uh, we can go on on this particular topic forever. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask and get ready to end this podcast. But I'm going to ask Miss Tanisha if you can give me about five tips okay. for anyone who is experiencing domestic violence on what they can do. Right. Uh, and if you'll call them out, number one, and give it to me. Okay. I think you got four. I don't know if I got five. I'm going to go four A and B. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um. So when I was trained, when I first got into this, um, the thing that was nailed into my mind is I need to talk to people as though I will never see them again because this is a matter of life and death. So if you are in a situation, I'm concerned for your safety. And it will not get better. Unchecked, it's not going to get better. This person is not going to change on their own. Wow. Right? That's sobering. Yes. Um, if you are supporting someone who is in, that was two. That was two. Yeah, is that that was number one, right? Was, one is that I'm concerned for your safety. Two, it is it's not going to unchecked. It's not going to get better. Two, if it's unchecked, it will not get better. Um, to be. Yeah, okay, got it. If you're supporting someone, if you have someone in your life who is in this situation, one of the number one things that you can let them communicate to them is that you believe them. That you believe them. Um, number three, get help. Talk to an advocate. Talk to someone who knows they can help you explore your options. They're not going. They're not going to become your next abuser and tell you what to do, right? They're going to get you to this place where you begin to trust your own judgment. That's right. Right, and empower you to make these decisions so that you know that this is your choice. This is not somebody else telling you what to do. This is about choice. This is about power. This is about you reclaiming that power that somebody is trying to take from you. Wow. Right. This is good. <laughs> um, and so talk to them if you. It, and that number that I gave you, the uh, 716-1000, will get you in touch with an advocate. If you That might not be your best option. If that's not what you're ready to do, there's an app. It's called My Plan. It is awesome, I think. It does a lot of this. It's a safety planning. It lets you know how much danger you're in, kind of a danger. You remember that when, when 9-11 happened and we had that scale? scale? Yeah. Yes, it tells you what kind of danger, how much danger you're in, looks at lethality. Um, it give it helps you plan safety plan. Um, you can put it on your phone, and then if your partner um, forces you to give a code, it turns to a completely different app. It doesn't look like domestic violence related at all. Now, what is the name of this app? It's called My Plan. Wow. And you might be able to put that on a computer or um, or put it on hello um, computers here where people can access it mm-hmm. so it won't be traced on their phone if they're still nervous about that. So that might be something that the university can help with. Got it. Um, so that's number three. Um, 
Um, number four, if you choose to leave. Mm. If and when you choose to leave. Um, don't announce it. Because it is the most dangerous time. It elicits this desperation mm-hmm. in your perpetrator. Don't announce it. If things start to escalate, um, get to a safe place. If you have to get to a safe place in your home, I would never suggest the bathroom. I would never suggest the kitchen. There are weapons there. Typically, your partner is taller than you. Oh, maybe, right? If if it's a heteronormative relationship, they're mm-hmm. taller, then, then they can reach further with a knife, right? Mm-hmm. So there are weapons in a bathroom. You have glass. You have ceramic. Those things can turn around and hurt you when you're trying to be safe. Don't hide it. Your instinct might be to hide in a closet, but don't hide in something you can't get out of. Don't go into a room where there's no window that you can, can't escape out of because they can get the door off the hinges, right? So those are some things to think when, about when things are escalating. And I would say also have a person. Even if you just have one person and y'all have like a code word and make it something kind of innocuous like jalapeno peppers. Mm-hmm. So it might be because when you're when something is escalating, if your partner thinks that you're trying to get help, they will smash your phone. They will take your keys. They're trying to cut off your access. Right. So it might be I call. Hey, prof. Uh, I don't know yeah. <laughs> so you might say something like, you know, uh, gosh, those jalapenos gave me some um, heartburn. I'm getting ready to get off the phone. They hear jalapenos. Your partner doesn't hear a threat but they hear jalapenos and that means call for help wow all right guys so this has been a phenomenal discussion i thank miss tanisha so much uh for coming and doing this podcast with us remember on podcast university it is our goal to use our three core values which is academics professionalism and spirituality to teach you and and give you skills this is the mobile classroom for leaders so i'm going to end this podcast with our quote which is refuse to inherit dysfunction, learn new ways of living instead of repeating what you live through. And that is uh, Thema Davis. And remember, if you're looking for some empowerment and encouragement, you can always find me on uh, the web at willydiggs.com or on any of my social media handles. On Facebook, it's Willie Diggs. On Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, uh, Periscope, it is the at sign, I am Willie Diggs. Again, that's the at sign, I am Willie Diggs. Thank you so much for tuning in on yet another podcast. Have a good one.